If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. There's a lot to go on with this. You can make money from your podcast, no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Remember, your podcast journey starts here. Welcome to Literally Just Airplanes. Your host is Miles Veneer. And sorry it's been a long time. Happy New Year. I hope everyone here has had a great start to their new year. Uh, I have not. I have replaced a furnace and an air conditioner in my time of the new year. So other than those things, uh, on the bright side, uh, I've finally gotten licensed on the 737, maintenance certification on it. And other than that, nothing really big happening. But tonight we're going to talk about some projects. And what I mean by projects, I'm going to be talking about airplanes that were never really released but we're able to be brought up in project meetings and design ideas that engineers thought they can develop. And some of them I would love I would have loved to see and some of them I wish they never existed. Um, there are some that made it farther than testing that were dropped. Uh, so today we're going to talk about cargo large fixed wing cargo jets and airplanes, not just jets, but cargo airplanes that were never released to public eye. Let's get started with a few thank yous. Uh, thank you to um, Adam Sype and his podcast. I love listening to it. And a lot of other AMPs out there that would love to hear this, aviation enthusiasts. Most importantly, uh, thank you for all the listeners. I'm getting closer to 1,000. Uh, let's get to that number and let's keep going forward. So let's get started. We're going to start on the first airplane that was produced and projected as a cargo plane. Not even cargo plane, but one of the largest planes ever made. And that is the pulled triplane, which was supposed to be a 50-meter plane. Yes, I'm, you're saying that correctly. It's supposed to be a 50-meter wingspan. Now, when you look at when you look at something like this, it has it was supposed to be made in World War One. It was supposed to be a bomber. It was supposed to have, uh, of course, during that time, engines were just starting to become more efficient with reciprocating engines and radial engines. Um, even during this time, these are these were built as one-offs, so they were built not to stand for a long time. The crazy thing is, if you look at the older model on this, they Zeppelin took over the project numbers on it and added eight engines to it at one point. This airplane at one point had eight, eight, uh, three horse, 300 horsepower engines on them that can produce a good amount. Um, if you have time, look it up. It's the, uh, the pole plane or the Siemens Schuchert airplane. And it's a fascinating picture. This one's only got two engines on it, but it has at least over 45 men underneath it from wingtip to wingtip. Now, when we remember, we when we start talking about airplanes that start to grow in size, uh, we're going to be talking about air uh, engines that less engines or more engines or smaller engines that can uh, control the productivity on the airplane. So when we move move forward from the pole, we're going to go towards the Victory Bomber, which moves over probably about 
uh, 33 years. Now, when we look for now, we look in the future for this airplane. The first thing we're going to look at is called the British Victory Bomber, and man, this thing wasn't designed. It was designed to be the largest bomber and be able to drop a bomb that can create earthquakes. Yes, they thought it can create earthquakes, and it supposedly was supposed to carry a bomb that had 22,000 pounds. Yes, it was called the earthquake bomb. It was had six engine plane. It was designed to fly over to Berlin and drop a bomb and destroy the air, destroy any type of ground structure in its, in its vicinity. And that's including civil, civil, uh, civil people, civilians. So that's pretty, uh, you know, the, the prototypes were never built, but the thought of it. And, you know, they wanted to do, especially in this era where the Germans were bombing every night, they wanted to make something that can basically go over there one shot and and that was you knew that wasn't going to happen and can you imagine that thing trying to go up against german flak it wasn't it was not going to work it was just a sitting duck literally move on from the victory bomber we're going to the 1960s and now we're starting to go towards around when the concorde was designed but boeing had this airplane called the boeing 2707 it was a lot like the concorde but it was a, it was a supersonic airplane now, it was one of the first designs Boeing made with swing-wing con- configuration, but it didn't... When they when they were designing this and, you know, looking up mock-ups and everything, it didn't really go up to par with a lot of stuff. Now, right now, this, this, this episode, we're just talking about large projects that never made, so I can go on a whole tangent about the Concorde, but we're going to go on this aircraft that was supposed to be able to hit Mach 3. It was supposed to be larger, a whole lot larger than the Concorde. But with the, with, of course, with money, you know, money comes in issues, they're going to cancel a project. So it never came up. Personally, I was never really into supersonic aircraft, even though it's really fascinating. And there's a lot of people out there that know more about me than, more know about this topic than myself. But when you're looking at something like this, it's definitely interesting, especially because they took the swing wing design and put it onto a military aircraft, also known as the F-111. Moving on. We're going towards the Lockheed CL-1201, which was one of the first aircraft that was powered by nuclear power. Yes, an aircraft that was powered by nuclear power. The thought of it was a good idea. There are no known pictures that I can find of it, but it was a design study that Lockheed wanted to create something that was efficient. It was really supposed to be known as an airborne aircraft carrier, which is really fascinating to think because when it comes to something like this, you can only think of like the Avengers with their shield, their shield base. But all in all, the ideas had to come from somewhere. Even though it was never designed, it was supposed to be able to hold 22 fighter aircraft, be able to launch them from the ground or the air. Good thought, but clearly never wasn't really ideal. Moving on to the 1970s. We have the Boeing RC one. So now this aircraft looks like looks pretty actual looks pretty cool actually. It's got a little too many jets on it. Um, it was supposed to be able to carry two million three hundred thousand pounds and two underwing pods of fuselage. So that's pretty heavy. It would have, it would have been twice the size of an Antonov, which I I don't the two twenty five already is big enough, but. This is just kind of trying to shoot the guns. Now, this aircraft, this cargo aircraft, designed to haul oil and minerals out of 
of course, the northern ports of Alaska and Canada. That would have been fantastic, especially considering that we spent a lot of money tra- uh, transporting. Now, these are powered by 12 JT-9s, and if any of you have seen a JT-9 in person, there's one at Lewis University. Uh, they used to be on 747s, and they're big They're big uh, turbo fans. 12 of them puts it in perspective. It had 56 wheels on a main landing gear, which gives maintenance guys like myself headaches just thinking about that. But the concept of it was designed to fly across and be able to transport heavy, heavy loads. The cruise speed of itself was 460 miles an hour, but the problem is the range was quoted at only 1,000 miles. That's with a full load of 23, 2,300,000 pounds. Now, the problem with that is when you have something that heavy, you've got to land it somewhere over and over again. A lot of airports today don't have the weight capacity to land aircraft. Back then, they definitely did not have the weight capacity. So this, this project was eventually canned, and I'm kind of glad it was because jet, price, jet fuel prices would have alone just killed it, but the weight overall would have been. I gotta give Marvin Taylor a good, good, uh, good ideas, but it's not practical. And I understand that none of these are going to be practical, but some were almost practical. Moving on to 1974, we come into this a cool, cool arc design that was definitely th- thought up in the future, and that is the Conroy Virtus, or Virtuous, and. It's basically a B-52 that they grab the fuselage of the B-52 and drop it about 20 feet. And they put two fuselages, kind of like the Strata launch. And it was incorporate a pair of Boeing B-52 fuselages to form a new craft using ex- existing ports for cost savings. While it was considered, though, they canceled it because they already had an aircraft big enough to transport space shuttles. And we know that as a 747. Well, the crazy thing about this airplane, it was supposed to cost $12.5 million, so $51.4 million around today. The wingspan itself was 450 feet. It's a long airplane. And it was power plant by JT-9s, of course. And you're going towards to compare JT-9s to 747s, you got to bring engines that are big enough to transport it. It was abandoned because it was not getting any interest, especially since the B-52s and 747s around that time, and even the C-5, were already taking over a bunch of spots in the cargo industry. So what was the point to bring in something like that? You say, we don't know. So, while this aircraft could have been designed, other design was developed for it in the future. And we know that is the Strata Launch, which is on this list somewhere. I have not, I did not add it because it is technically a flyable airplane. We are now moving on to an aircraft that I have a little bit more experience talking about, well, more of the company, is the Beriev's. The This one is really cool because it's a boat plane, basically. It's a super amphibious transport aircraft called the Beriev Neptune. And man, this thing is gnarly looking. It looks like something you'd make on simple planes just to have fun but it's practically speaking it would be fantastic for transporting troops across the oceans Um, especially if they wanted to come to America or they wanted to cross it's fantastic it's heavy it's just as heavy as the pole triplane but 
the maximum speed of 500 miles an hour. At four, at, and this is most of it's on the ground. It's on the water. It's a flying ship. It can still fly in the air. But it wasn't practically. And the problem, the biggest problem this airplane had was the thrust to weight ratio. You're throwing up almost a quarter or three quarters of a pound on each part of the engines when it's taking off. Which is putting on, if you're putting on the math, that's almost, that's literally 150 pounds square foot on the wings. Putting the math even more, that's almost putting over a million pounds of force on each wing while it's trying to take off. So, Beriev threw out its design, they canceled it, never flew. But it cost so much money that they... It cost more than one Antonov 225 to reproduce. And the, but let, let me think of that straightforward. It cost more than one Antonov 225. I'm not going to go after the second one because it is basically a twin version of the Beria 2500, which doesn't even doesn't doesn't even well I don't even doesn't even sound interesting. But the next one could have been a life changer in aviation cargo especially in aviation itself and that would have been the mcdonnell douglas md-12 it was supposed to replace the md-11 it was supposed to be a competitor for the 747 if you look at a picture of it it looks like someone grabbed a air a380 basically the concept of an a380 it looks a lot like it um it was canceled because they wanted to more focus on the md-11s which I think was a fantastic idea because I feel like this airplane would have been a colossal failure to the industry. Not saying it would have been not saying it would have been good, but it definitely would have had issues. The issue it had was that it was trying to compete with the 747. If you look at designs of this airplane, the tail end aspect of it looks like they're adding in a triple seven with the tail APUs. Now, I can't say anything about working on it. It would have had the same engines as a 747 with the CF-6s. But if you're looking at the weight, the wingspan, and long range, this aircraft, yes, might have been a little bit faster than the 47 and could have flown farther. But who knows what could have been brought up with the structure itself. The aircraft doesn't go too in-depth with the structure. But McDonnell Douglas and Douglas at this time had a really bad record with the DC-10s with crashes and stuff like that. So I don't think this would have been a good idea for McDonnell Douglas. But I do think that if they focused on if they focused on the MD-11s or DC-10s more and got rid of the DC-10s focused on the 11s it would have been a big, big hiccup for them if they didn't focus on it. So I think this is a great idea for getting rid of it. Cool looking airplane at first, but then when you look at a side shot of it, it looks like a squished A380. Moving on. We're looking at the the NLA, which is a 747 basically with four G90s. I, you know what? It would be fantastic. It would be really cool to see this. Um, it's not even at this point a design. It was a concept. It wasn't even a design market. It was a quad jet with 747 with four G90s on it. I don't even know how that would work. The crazy thing was it was supposed it can only fly 8,900 miles, but the, the project was called NLA because it was supposed to stretch the 747 out even farther. This was a canceled plan, and there's not really that much information on it. Now we're getting towards 
some really, really interesting designs, and some of them I've never even seen before. Some of them are just literally copies of 747s. Now we're gonna go, we're gonna skip around a little bit. We're gonna skip the Aerocon because that wasn't even developed. Tupolev TU-404 wasn't developed. Now let's go over to the Sukhoi KR-860, which literally, literally looks like someone just, a two-year-old tried making a 747. Literally has the same power plant. And it literally, it was supposed to scale, it was supposed to literally beat the 47 in a lot of things. It was a, it was a colossal failure. It was supposed to use LNG instead of jet fuel. Now, jet fuel is already a popular demand, but when you have something that's not a popular demand, what's what's the cost of it? It's going to destroy its industry. It's a failed project, and I'm not embarrassed to say that it looks really crappy. So I think this is wise that it was not designed. Now we're going to a very interesting, very, very, very interesting topic that I think would have been really cool. I guess the 747X is kind of like the 747-8 because of the, the, the width of it. Now, the main difference between the X was that it was supposed to stretch out even farther than the, the 8. If you look at sketches of the 747-500X and the 747-600X, it was supposed to fly even farther and hold up, hold up more passengers. Now... If the freighter version of this came out, it would have just been a 747-8. And Boeing did a smart job by getting rid of that design and just waiting it out for the Dash 8. Because they had a derivative engine with the GENX, which is a fantastic engine for that airplane. It was not it was criticized a lot though for not really having an advance over the original 400s. But being developed and moved to production they had another alternative and that was creating the 47 ER extended range which saved the industry so I think this this concept would have been interesting today but really the 500 600s 700s are literally just the dash eights so I would say this is actually not that I'm biased towards these 747s but I think this was a major success because it showed it showed us that we can actually create a long enough we can create a long enough airplane for it. So I think the 47-8 was a complete success for the industry. Moving on, we are looking at the Boeing Pelican, which is basically the same thing as the Boeing 2707. Now I think it's with great sadness that when, the, when this airplane came out, a lot of people enjoyed it. And I, I seen one, and it's a nice airplane. It had to compete against the 747. There had to be a competitor, no doubt. It came out way too late. I think the when it came out, it was already the industry was already moving away from large jets. When I say large jets, I talk about major. I say heavy, heavy white bodies, considering. Excluding the 777, but the 47 itself was already, the Dash 8F was the last of its kind, and it was already trying really hard to make what it was cost. But the trip cost is what really killed this airplane. The fuel cost killed this airplane. 
It was not the same. It had to compete also with two of the giant, most popular aircraft in the world, and that was the Antonov 225 and the 747-8F, and the Antonov 124. Both of them can fly very far and hold a huge amounts of cargo. The problem with this is the configurations with carrying passengers and cargo would have been would have converting it over to one or another would have been would have cost Airbus a lot more than they should have been. Did not last and they can the F model. Now the 900 model they were talking about making was postponed because they ended up getting rid of the airplane. It's a really sad story because the 800 stretch would have been at that point the largest airplane in the world. After, after talking about that, we're moving more and more towards space travel. And with space travel, we're going towards hypersonic, supersonic, interstellar types of travel that we will eventually get to, I don't know if my lifetime or after. But it's a very interesting topic to talk about because there's a lot of projects. These are just some of the projects. These are just including large airplane. So for 115 years, we have been designing we as in the, the world have been designing airplanes that can transport large variuses. Whoever, basically whoever has the biggest piece of machinery is the strongest. And even though some of that has come true in the like the re- most recent years, back then these projects would have been catastrophic and a lot of them were. But we got to look at all the projects that I've mentioned and the which one other than the 747 that has really come out to me is the Conroy Virtuous because it was supposed to be able to just drop airplanes in the in the sky. Airplanes and it was supposed to drop space shuttles. Now, the crazy thing is we do have an airplane now called the Strata Launch, which we can go into more subject in the future, but that is one of the projects that really gets to me. Now, on my top five list out of all those I mentioned, of course, the five would have been the Conroy Virtuous. The four would have to be the... Uh, the Boeing 747X because the aircraft was already designed as a Dash 8. They just wanted this was earlier design. So once the Dash 8 came into play, those designs were already completed. Number three would have to be the Airbus A380-900. It would have been an extended version of what it is now. Could have been one of the largest airplanes in the world and really put in perspective of what passenger jets can accomplish. Number two, I'm going to have to go with the Lockheed CL-1201, the airborne aircraft carrier, because that would have been the first aircraft to be nuclear powered, and it would have been able to transport aircraft in the skies. I think that would have been fascinating to see. And number one, the biggest project that could have been would have been the McDonnell Douglas MD-12. The reason why I say that is because after McDonnell Douglas merged with Boeing, it was McDonnell Douglas was basically done. The MD-80s, MD-90s were converted over to Boeing 717s. Basically, everything was converted over. Now, with the MD-12 and looking at the airplane, it, it would have been definitely an interesting aspect by including this into the, the, the battle between Airbus and Boeing today. Who knows what it could have, who knows what it might have done in cargo, who knows what it might have done in passenger, but it was a failure project that never was brought up. It was proposed in the 90s, and it was canceled in the 90s. What it might have been today, we would never know. But I do have to admit, it would have been really cool to see. Now, 
even though it is my number one, there is one other airplane that would be that it had if it had to make the list, it'd be on the list, and it would definitely be the the Barrier of 2500 because I love space. I love uh, not space, but boat planes. But it, making a boat plane that literally can is literally a giant, massive airplane on the water, jet powered from ocean to ocean, is a good way of tra- tra- transporting troops. It was a good good thought process, but it just did not work. Other than that, to conclude this, I you know I love large body aircraft. I love large jets. I work around them most of my time at work, but I only see a fair amount. The 225 still blows my mind how big it is and how much cargo it carries and the tail. It's just fascinating. But there's a lot of other design flaws with a lot of big jets, but at the same time, why are we moving away from jets that can fly heavier equipment than moving to smaller areas that can that can only fly smaller equipment? I get fuel economy, but you can make an airplane big enough that can hold a lot of weight. And a lot of these projects have been involved in this. Have are, A lot of large airplanes are slowly fizzling away. The 747 will eventually be gone in my lifetime. The A380 is already throwing its white flag in. The 225 hopefully will still be flying. It's a fantastic plane. I've never seen it. But it is definitely carrying a lot of weight during the pandemic and carry supplies and the mechanics that work on the airplane, I gotta give them a lot of credit for because I don't know if I can do a tire check on every one of those tires. But when I look at an airplane, the next development for the heaviest twin jet in the world is the 777X. And as much as I'm a Boeing nut, I think there's a lot more that can be done with a lot of these airplanes. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. There might be another episode coming up soon. Sorry for the delay, but with work and everything around airplanes all day so it's good to see the industry is being able to walk on a limb with with all these cancellations and in the pandemic it's sad to see a lot of airplanes being not moving but with the way it is right now you know we it's moving it's it's just we have to be patient thank you guys for listening and tune in for my next episode which where i'll be going over a topic that I'm going to surprise you guys with. I think it's going to be really interesting. Thank you guys very much and have a good night.